Hello, I'm Michael Chakraverty. And I'm Mark Watson. And this is the Menkind Podcast. We're going to take a deep dive into masculinity, exploring what being a man actually means, along with a variety of brilliant guests. You know, men talking about men is a notoriously underrepresented area of podcasting. Not anymore. Happy New Year, everybody. We are back for 2021. Don't know whether they celebrate New Year's. I'm not sure we need to really. I mean, what, what is the passage of time, Mark, really? Uh, big question, actually, Michael. <laughs> not one for an intro, perhaps. Well, what I think you can say is that the time has passed. Like, we are in 2021, whether you like it or not. That's what the year is now. And I am better, which is pleasing. I can now talk. I, I didn't enjoy introducing episodes without you because of your tonsils and stuff. I mean, I'm a guy that's old enough to not have tonsils, but... <laughs> but over the festive break, we have had some really lovely messages come flooding in to our inboxes. It's nice to hear we're touching people in an appropriate social distanced way. We've had legitimate contact via electronic <laughs> mail. Yes, including somebody from their 60s who listened to the podcast with Tom Daly, where Tom talked about how his voice, he was really worried about when he was younger, about being a giveaway, about being queer, which was really lovely to hear that it had touched somebody from such a different generation, but it felt like it had been an experience that they'd had as well. As well as a friend of mine who could relate to the football-related trauma that Riyadh brought up in episode one, where I had to play the goalpost in childhood games of football, which hurts. But what's even worse was that he went to a football camp and received a Best Behaved Player Award. That's got to hurt, hasn't it? Yeah, Best Behaved. <laughs> it doesn't suggest that you've got a massive football career ahead of you. <laughs> no. It's so lovely to hear from people, though, it really is. Because when we started saying, you can also contact us, dot, 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 like, you, you don't necessarily think people will, but it's a it's lovely when people do. Yeah, so please do keep reaching out. We are at Menkind Podcast on social media, or if you want to email us, drop us a line at drop us a line, drop us your words at menkindpodcast at gmail.com. And if you're happy for us to share what you've written, do note that in your message. But if you're not, that's also fine. We're happy to have a wee chat with you on there as well. I agree. Oh, we've also got to introduce the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Who have we got, Michael? Well, Mark, today we have Crystal from Drag Race UK Season 1. You could be in full drag, actually. I am, So we pretend you are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow, you look incredible. <laughs> Blinded by my sequins. <laughs> That's a good capture, isn't it? They are pretty cool. And this conversation is really good, especially at the very end when Mark gets really uncomfortable. So listen out for that bit. Oh, yeah, they asked me about my... Uh, well, uh, no spoilers, but yeah. <laughs> it does end quite well. So this is Crystal, and I think this is enjoyable. I think this is enjoyable. Excellent. I would like to introduce white straight man, Mark Watson. Yeah, that's the... <laughs> I that's, mean, that's the... It's the only start in life you need, it's yeah. It's the pinnacle. You it know really I mean? is. It's, it's the most popular thing you can be these days. <laughs> and I, in turn, would like to introduce the guest we have today, which is Crystal. Hi, Crystal. Hello. Would you like to say who you are? I would be honoured. Um, it would be a relief to us as well. <laughs> I, I, I haven't given you the most full introduction there. So my name is Crystal and you might know me as the hairy Canadian transvestite from RuPaul's Drag Race UK. Yeah, that's pretty good. I, reckon. <laughs> I mean, it's a good time. Have you said that before? It's once or twice. Yeah. <laughs> that's quite a lot of information in, in uh, one sentence there. Yeah. Pack it full. You are a drag queen. It's our first drag queen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I guess I am. I generally call myself a drag artist, but... Um, mm. Interesting. Let's oh, talk yeah, about that. Straight away, that's Straight in. Straight in. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, so to me, I think drag queen implies you're performing femininity mm. or uh, 
maybe attempting female impersonation and drag artists to me sounds a bit more vague where you're just playing with gender. That's definitely true of someone like me that's kind of an outsider to the drag world. Drag queen summons a very specific Mm -hmm. association in your head, which some of which is based on ignorance probably, or at least a very small minded way of looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So also artists. If I have the choice, I would. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Why why not call yourself an artist if you have the choice? Um, If I have the choice, I generally call myself a drag artist, but then, you know, sometimes I go on national TV shows for drag queens and I, for example, I'm happy to fit into that box if I have to. So if you're using pronouns when you're in drag, which pronouns do you normally use? Um, it. <laughs> you <Yeah>. there. <laughs> uh, that thing. Yeah. She, her. So you do go by she, her. Yeah, and I think it's just it's just what people expect and it just is easiest. I really don't care about pronouns and like because I'm someone who switches between male, female and everything in between kind of from mm. a day-to-day basis, I really answered anything and it doesn't bother me. So when was the first time you sort of started to learn that difference, the societal difference, I suppose, between male, female, man and woman? When was the first time you kind of saw there being a difference that you remember? Oh, like back to the beginning. Way back. Okay, so we're, Baby go- we're Canadian. going straight into the therapy session. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every aspect of your life in order. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the differences between men and women, I guess probably like I can remember movies and TV shows from the late 80s maybe like a Madonna music video express yourself she's like on a swan she's the businesswoman yes all these oily men pulling things with chains <laughs> into the groove was an important video for me shall we say growing up right. <laughs> <laughs> gross <laughs> <laughs> I could have been more gross than that to be fair <laughs> um and then maybe like, I don't know, fighting games, like Mortal Kombat, where you can, mm. you get to choose, yeah. like, is it a sexy lady or is it a... And which did you choose? Always the sexy lady. Yeah. Right. I would be the same. I would always choose the sexy lady. I think I game. maybe was as well, though, because I, I remember Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter 2. There was definitely one of those games where I regularly took on a... Um, but she was sexy and her legs could like spin around and kick people in the face. Sonia. That's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. First I remember her well. Yeah. <laughs> um, Anyone likes that. But I also liked the guys with the powers, like there was the lightning guy and there was the ice guy. So I don't know. I don't think I was necessarily like only interested in the feminine things. I think that kind of came a little bit later and that's probably to do with like being rejected by masculinity to a degree mm-hmm. so i was thinking about this on the bus over <laughs> <laughs> and what do you mean by rejected by masculinity what well i so... wish more of our podcast guests would do some thinking on the bus beforehand <laughs> specifically like... us probably yeah yes. <laughs> maybe we should yeah maybe we should prepare for these things <laughs> i think like i lived quite a sheltered and charmed childhood my parents were both hippies they were really like just be you, express yourself however you want. You grew up in a quite quiet area of yeah. Canada. So I grew up in Nova Scotia, yeah. which is like a fishing, rural area. It's If you picture like northern Scotland, you're kind of imagining the right kind of place. There are lots of backwards mentalities there, especially when it comes to things like race and gender. And I was in a very small town. But your parents were hippies. so that. But helped, my parents were hippies. And this was like pre-puberty. So I was, you know up to the age of 10, 11, just living my like childhood fantasy life and just playing in the woods and casting spells and talking to the animals. And like all my friends were girls and that seemed fine. And it was kind of before I think kids started to be able to single out like me for being weird. When I was 12, we moved into the city in Nova Scotia called Halifax. And so I switched schools and everyone's a little bit older. And I started to realize, oh, I'm different. Different from who? Different from, I don't know, the other boys, I guess. And suddenly my difference is kind of highlighted because I'm the new kid at the school also. So I so you're different anyway. Yeah, different anyway. And then also just like not figuring out where I fit or 
finding it more difficult to like naturally make friends and trying to figure all of that stuff out and realizing like that the boys not that they didn't want anything to do with me but we didn't really have anything that we related to each other on and like I had a childhood best friend that was from that city and we kind of reconnected but like I was like oh you now you're into hockey and like sports and Which I'm is the equivalent to... of what people were saying about football yeah, in, in yeah. other podcasts yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah over there it's hockey yeah so like going to hockey games and being like this is so not my world and I don't like and so that friendship kind of fell apart a little bit because we were growing up and growing in different directions and I didn't really understand how I fit into that world anymore. And so that's probably where you start to get more interested in the feminine stuff because that's the stuff that's kind of more welcoming to you. I think it's really interesting. It's actually one of the first things when I came out to my mum, she said, but you have lots of female friends. And I was like, yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Perhaps you should have done the maths on that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's quite a common theme I suppose is that because as queer people we don't necessarily feel like we fit in with this idea of masculinity we sort of then go well the only other option therefore is I must maybe try and fit in with the other thing which Mm -hmm. is femininity but there is definitely this binary between you kind of either like the sports and and all this kind of stuff or you like the dressing up kind of thing and that's very very broad (laughs) brushstrokes but it is you kind of set them in opposition and you have to identify with one of them and as queer people you end up choosing the other. It takes you a long time to unpick that that weird binary way of looking at the world, I think. I mean, it's, it's interesting to me when you've spoken about this kind of thing before, because I obviously am on the other team. I was like a sports guy and everything, but I've also tended to have more female than male friends. So maybe women are just better? Is it that? Yeah, probably. I mean, wouldn't disagree with that, no. <laughs> yeah, I think that's interesting that you say that it's almost like your interests get reinforced and then like crystallized, oh. to use a word. Yeah. Uh, yeah you're kind <laughs> Great of like, branding. Yeah. <laughs> so you're kind of like everything gets reinforced and it's just building on top of itself. And so instead of exploring other routes, you're just kind of going down one and mm. it gets stronger and stronger. So like, yeah, the sports thing or whatever it is. And well, I think it's quite helpful now seeing like the way my sister is raising her son or just the way the younger generation is that there's actually much more mm. of a fluidity across all of those. What things. impact did that have on, I'm just thinking of like, you identify as a man mm. normally, the normally, normally, <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> apart from Sundays. But when you were growing up and you started to kind of go, well, perhaps I'm more interested in being drawn towards these feminine qualities. How did that impact your sense of being a man? That's a, That's a very, very deep good question. Yeah, it's a very you good question. You should be lying question. down like a chaise long when I ask that kind of question. <laughs> Michael's absolutely delighted with himself. For Thank those you. of you listening at home, he, he's basically more or less put your feet up on the desk after that question. I might actually just leave now. You might light a cigar. <laughs> Podcast professional. Yeah. Have I ever really felt like a man? Mm. I, and I don't actually know the answer to that question. It's almost unanswerable. I suppose yeah. you have to you, ask you what have, is a man. Exactly. You have to yeah. define what we mean by feeling like a man. And I guess my feeling of what a man is is society's feeling of what a man is and I've never really felt like that I guess I mean that's another reason that like drag was so appealing is like a chance to reject all of the things that kind of rejected me first Mm. yeah and choose something different that's fascinating because when you say reject when I look at your style of drag I see it more as an embracing of everything rather than a rejection of one thing yeah why do you present in drag how you present I guess well for me drag is about taking lots of different bits from both genders and the genders in between and using those. So when I was growing up, boys were kind of punished by society for being feminine, being different, Mm. being imaginative, being all of these things that we associate with the feminine. So when you get into drag, you can kind of say, actually, no, these things aren't shameful. They're powerful. Mm -hmm. And so it's like a conscious 
taking back of those things and then saying, actually, they're not only powerful, but people want to pay to see them. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's properly performing gender, isn't it? Yeah. That's essentially what it is. And you've chosen to keep your hair, your chest yeah. hair and your, and your hairy armpits. <laughs> why, why? I don't know if you had to yell that at him. Hairy armpits. Hairy armpits. <laughs> Can you say it really low and sultry for us? And that is the trailer. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the trailer for the series. <laughs> Just put that uh, out on social media. No explanation. No I context. know what the people want <laughs> by this point. Um, I keep my body hair... I think at first because I was just like in the East London scene and everyone was hairy and like you didn't need to be a female impersonator should be an amazing performer or drag artist. You know, most of the queens that I still work with have beards. Like that isn't a disconnect in the scene that I'm in. Hmm. Um, so it never really seemed like something I needed to do. And I shaved my chest a few times like in drag and I... I don't know. It just didn't really feel like me. Mm. Um, so this is interesting about the different scenes, even within drag. Oh, for sure. I, I, again, it's kind of I, mean, I have been obviously reading about it before seeing you, but it's yeah, quite labyrinthine, much more complicated than an outsider ever realizes. Definitely, there's you know still the Soho tradition of a female impersonator, mm. and I don't think that's as much like that's also changing. Everything's changing all the time, and there's exceptions to all of the rules. But yeah, the East London scene tends to be a little bit more genderfuck and a bit more like anything goes kind of vibes just chuck on a bin bag tie it around your waist and I could do that yeah, and do a Katy Perry song about plastic bags like it's fine you can do whatever you want maybe I'm an artist yeah <laughs> um, so I guess that's why I initially started keeping it but then I started to realize that it was kind of fucking with people's heads a bit as I started to do more like corporate gigs or gigs with audiences that weren't from my East London little bubble I realized that it actually made them a little bit uncomfortable and I I really liked that because it meant that they had to question what they thought of of masculinity and femininity and like I don't tend to think about it that closely very often but like that is the root of it so if you see someone in drag and you're like oh my god they're gorgeous they're so beautiful blah blah oh but they've got this hairy chest then you have to suddenly be like actually what about any of that is female or belongs to woman-ness well none of it like men can have long hair men can wear makeup men can wear a corset like none of those things are the things that belong to womanness they're just what we've decided in this current era belong to femininity so yeah we sometimes talk about how strange it is that things have been assigned to masculinity or femininity which when you step away from them are mad like we talked about how i'm a wine drinker but men are in inverted commas, meant to have a beer. Like stuff that has... so people would expect me to have a wine, but I would have a beer instead. Yeah, yeah. the fact that people constantly comment on the fact that I'm holding a pint when I'm in drag, they're like, wow, you drink beer? Like, it's, what? That's really funny. Yeah, yeah, I also have a bike. Yeah. <laughs> it's so peculiar. And like, it's very that, peculiar. I get it all the time because yeah, I'm a beer drinker. What should I be doing? Like, I can only drink Prosecco when I'm in drag. Like, vodka tonic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you were saying um, about audiences. I think that's really fascinating about the different audiences. And obviously, Drag Race has done RuPaul's Drag Race if people aren't aware why aren't you aware feels like everyone's aware it's done a huge job about bringing (laughs) drag sort of into more mainstream culture people knowing what it is what kind of responses did you get were there from either within the the queer community or without how did people react to that I got cast and I thought I wonder if I need to shave my chest before I go on and I really I kind of agonized about it because I was worried it would get me sent home or blah 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 and then I realized actually if they send me home for having a hairy chest, I mean, that's kind of the best PR I could possibly have gotten. <laughs> yeah, like, it would have been a it gift. Really, yeah. It really kind of 
helps me make the point of what I'm trying to make. But and then I got there and realized actually they didn't really care. No, <laughs> like either way. Yeah. Um, so that was actually really refreshing. And you know, someone like Michelle or Rue, like they've been around, they've seen it all, they've seen the bearded queens, they've seen hairy queens. Like nothing. I've got a very little bit of chest hair, and I've got hairy armpits. Like. Compared to the hairy queens that I know and work with, like I'm very much not a hairy. You're smooth, queen. basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On the overall spectrum yeah. of hairiness, exactly. you're barely on there. So I don't think it was this like massive deal. Yeah, it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't a it huge wasn't a big subversive deal. act no. like it might have felt in your head. But the response was really great because it was the first time that I think Drag Race had someone that you'd had people like Violet Chachki who didn't pad and didn't wear breasts. So that was like one shift of the like, mm-hmm. oh, you're not doing gender illusion the way we thought it needed to be done. And then someone like me who keeps a hairy chest, like that's another kind of shift of that dial a little bit. In Drag Race Holland now, there's a bearded queen. Fab. So the dial is constantly being shifted a little bit, but I guess they just do it in quite small doses. But yeah, the response was really amazing, mostly from the community because people seeing it were really excited to see something a little bit different. And what was really different, I think, about Drag Race UK was the fact that it showed camp in a very different way. Oh, for sure. And camp in, in British culture has a bit of a history of often being a negative thing. And, a um, caricature, yeah. maybe. Certainly something that allows people outside of it to carry the danger that it enforces homophobic ideas, maybe, if it's done yeah. wrong. So what are your thoughts on that, I suppose, campness in queer culture? Because a lot of the time, if you look in queer culture, there's this whole focus on you are either femme or you are masculine. And those are mm-hmm. the two things that you can be. Mm-hmm. And camp straddles a third area there. And like, do you think that the, the idea of being camp and performing masculinity in a in a more feminine way is threatening or how have we moved from like the negative to it being celebrated on Drag Race UK? There you I are. think yeah. society. How yeah. does society work? Yeah. <laughs> we always have one question, Crystal, which the questioner just can't quite Are you trying to say that finish. my question was not very good to say? <laughs> no, it wasn't very good, but I think it might have been today's example of a question that took a while to really ram home. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Um, so I think if I understand correctly, I think that's the beauty of drag is that it can poke fun. So mm. yeah. the irreverence is baked in to the art form. And so... It's really easy to mock masculinity and femininity when you are wearing a wig for some reason. It just happens. Mm. So Maybe because it shows how ridiculous yeah, the assumptions exactly. of male and female, like if you can just turn from one into the other, in yeah. inverted commas, then it, yeah. it tears down the, yeah. this idea, the rigidity of it all. It's fascinating that within a queer community, which therefore is literally celebrating the irreverence and celebrating the fact that you can just jump from being a man to a woman there is still an element of essentially misogyny within the queer community where people want to be masculine or feminine. Mm -hmm. And why do you think we both celebrate and denigrate it, I suppose? Yeah. Denigrate. Thank you, everybody. Thank (laughs) you. (laughs) Occasionally, Michael just looks across the desk with his triumph as if we're playing chess and he's just like (laughs) absolutely nailed and moved. I'll do my best to top denigrate before the end of this, but I've got to say that's impressive. And you knew it straight away. You're never going to beat Crystallize. I'm sorry. (laughs) His his whole face lit up. Yeah, I don't think we'll actually top a guest managing to get their own name into into a verb. Yeah. It's just me that hasn't pulled off a really impressive word yet. So you've got like, I don't know how you've I've got still got time, minutes. mate. Don't you worry about that. You chat on and I'll do some Googling of words. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a real shame that gay culture worships masculinity in that toxic way that 
we kind of already talked about. And I don't know the answer to why we do that, but it's probably because we were all bullied by toxic masculinity as children and now we want it to step on our necks. But when you're younger, you, you yes, you you don't fit in, but you always sort of want to. And I yeah. do think you kind of pedestal it, don't you? Yeah, that's a really that's good it. point. Is that what you mean by step on the necks? Like you somehow, because it's rejected you, you somehow want to be part yeah. of it. Yeah, 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 that's interesting. I've never really thought of the mm. relationship of the gay world to that kind of masculinity or not yeah. in those terms. That's yeah. a fascinating way of putting it. Oh, you, aren't you clever? You kind of continue to yearn <laughs> for the thing which pushed you away whether you want yeah, to or exactly. not exactly and i mean that's just the story of humanity i yeah. don't think it's something unique to gay men but then that's what i think is so wonderful about drag is that i get to choose not to put that on a pedestal mm. as a person with a very deep voice i'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns but a deep voice doesn't sell b2b and advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell b2b either That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. What I find kind of hypocritical about myself is that I waited until I was in a serious relationship before I started doing drag. Really? Because I think I was worried it would make me fundamentally unfuckable or unlovable mm. to be like that embracing of the feminine. That's really no interesting. One, I wouldn't like, have thought that would be a hang-up that you'd have, given how freely you yeah, seem to play with gender but and I, others it is. And I don't think I would have that same hang-up now. Like, were I single, I wouldn't worry about it in the same way. But this was before I was famous, in quotes, and it was before drag was really like as celebrated so it, it wasn't as cool to be a drag queen it was mm. it was a thing that made you a, a member of a specific community that was like cool in some ways but also like a bit of a social pariah in others yeah, it's, been, it's been kind of incredible to see how i guess it's not all because of rupaul's show but like the way drag has infiltrated the the radar of like a person like me say or which is a lot of the country has been felt very swift and interesting mm. and what do you hope i mean it's kind of a big question but what kind of changes in society's attitudes do you think we can hope to see as a well not purely as a result of drag but like you said it does feel as if there's much more fluidity in the way we're talking about things now someone like me again i've got young kids and i try to raise them with um the most up-to-date conception of mm. gender and stuff i can and i think a lot of people are doing that now do you think that the popularization of stuff like drag race can actually lead to because you know all of us know that the, the minds we want to change are not the people who are already watching Drag yeah. Race is the greater yeah. society. I think it has a great potential to, yeah, show, like we've talked about, the fluidity ac- across gender lines. I think it's really fabulous to have people's queer stories presented on a massive platform. Yeah. Like I I think that's probably the biggest impact it will have. It's kind of that just hearing queer eye. Stories. Of, yeah, yeah, that queer eye effect. And I don't think it's necessarily about drag. I think it's just about people seeing what modern gayness looks like. Yeah, um, rather than seeing it as just one like, yeah, job. Yeah, because I think it does people, yeah. do a great job of showing you the person behind all of the 
the makeup and the costume. That said, it only shows one very small facet of the queer community. So it's mm. it's got work to do there. But the pessimist in me worries that we're all just like that maybe the subversion is starting to get lost because we're starting to just all appeal to the same kind of aesthetic of like like everything's starting to just become this hyper sexualized thing and maybe the subversion is getting lost because yeah. we're all just trying to become video hoes basically there's going to be a risk with something as huge as drag race that yeah. it creates its own kind of culture which is just a kind of pastiche i guess yeah. yeah and so i think it's important to just remember the like we don't all need to be thin and have giant lips and all of those things that I just worry that drag will start reinforcing the same things that we were trying, that to, you were trying to get away from. Yeah. To get away from. I was interested yeah. you're talking about you not trying out drag or, or performing drag mm. as you do now before you were in a long-term relationship. What happened to you in that time? Mm. How did you start exploring that? I think I was basically just a Halloween gay. Like right. I, was, <laughs> I was the gay that went a little bit too far on Halloween every year. I like Halloween gay as a concept. <laughs> yeah. Give us some, uh, some examples. <laughs> well, it was always something that was... Like a little bit femme, but also fully thirsty. So like, right. like a centaur, <laughs> or a mermaid, or a fairy. But like, yeah, all a legendary topless. creature. Yeah, all, always but topless. A sexy legendary yeah. creature. Yeah, exactly. Basically, <laughs> a sexy centaur. Yeah, <laughs> literally. It's interesting this because I don't think until recently. I, I'm pretty sure that 20 years ago, Halloween here was just you know, you were just a black cat or a witch and that was pretty much it. And I feel like the yeah. North American influence of suddenly everyone is yeah. dressing as like a so lion, but 11, a sex lion. Yeah, I moved here 11 years ago and yeah. I was dismayed by how people didn't take it very seriously. So You I, guys I, have got your way. So yeah, actually, yeah. you've done it. It was you. Halloween has turned everyone me. into nymphomaniacs now. Yeah. <laughs> so was there anyone that you sort of looked up to in that time? Yeah, so like my biggest icon was probably David Bowie. Cool. Um, who was someone that I just saw really playing with all of that stuff way before we had all these terms as well yeah like, totally. the idea of yeah. uh, just flitting between masculine and femininity and not really acknowledging that any of them were norms all of this stuff yeah. was, he was quite a long way ahead yeah absolutely so i was really interested in like yeah androgynous kind of rock stars like susie sue or patty yeah. smith as well yeah yeah and then I, I would channel it as well like I was living in Montreal right before I moved to London and I lived there for about three years and I started producing burlesque shows and this was like... Montreal is quite a hotbed of weird stuff yeah, as well, isn't yeah. it? Like, yeah. And so these were like, I guess this was before drag had its renaissance. It was like 2000, probably seven. And it was when burlesque was having its like heyday with Dita Von Tees. And mm. so it was like these neo burlesque shows, which were basically drag shows now. And I would basically channel the same kind of ideas what brought you to burlesque what drew you there my sister uh she was doing shows and she was like oh come do a show with me you'll you'll really enjoy it and so we did a number it was from cabaret two ladies right yes and, yes. and i got into like very proto drag and my boyfriend at the time was like the mc character and it is quite weird when you think about yeah. it but uh, <laughs> me and my sister look really 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 similar so it, with me and drag it was yeah, it was quite fun. Not everyone can do that with their sibling, I reckon. No. no, you seem to have a very open and accepting and happy family, which is really incredible, I think. Yeah, my sister, like, really kind of paved the way for me because she was incredibly rebellious and uh, she was a total punk. So I think basically I didn't have to rebel because she'd already done it and then Anything you there did was, was kind just, of no point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very useful having an older sibling do some of that work, yeah. I reckon. Yeah. And where you are now... Yeah, I was going to ask this. Or having crystallised, yeah, you can... Yeah, so now, you even get good word in, Mark. <laughs> Put in your role, come on. 
Uh, we like to ask people about the men, the the male figures that they look up to now that they find mm. as good examples of being a man. Uh, quintessential manhood, if you mm. like. We've had Seven out of ten. Though. I said that word in another episode yeah, as well, so. though. <laughs> Why don't you leave a gap and we can put it in after? So it's just like... All right. Actually, what I should have said was, which men do you think provide the, the quintessence of manhood? Because that would be... That. Oh, that's, the quintessence of manhood is good. Same word. It sounds just, a bit like you're talking about penises, but... A lot of things to you sound like that, Michael. Well, I, yeah. I can't be constantly deep penis <laughs> Not everything is a dick, Michael. <laughs> what was denigrate then? Nine out of ten? What did you give yourself? A, te- a full ten. That was a full ten. Do you that- I think it's a ten? No. Oh, no, what would you no, give it? Uh, that's like an eight and a half for me. All right, okay. What's crystallized for you? I think crystallized gets a nine just because it is my name. Okay, so I was but, quite close. Yeah. So the quintessence of manhood gets a... Uh... I like quintessence. When was the last time you heard quintessence? I feel like I've heard denigrate, you know, yesterday. Oh. <laughs> Crystal, whose side are you on? <laughs> it's quite obvious whose side Crystal is on. I don't mind it at all. Yeah, who do you think, uh, who in your life, well, not necessarily in your life, just who would you name now as great examples of being a man for whatever reason? Probably my dad. Mm. It's interesting like, how often people say their dads. It's lovely. It? In a really nice way. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. I mean, I feel like so lucky to have the dad that I do. I mean, he was in a rock band when he was my age. He lived in London and he was like a kind of Rolling Stones-y kind of guy. He's always rejected masculinity, so it made it okay for me to do that. And I guess like a Rolling Stones rock star is also like a different kind of masculinity, but it it is a different one. Yeah, it's interesting how, actually, if you think about it, a lot of rock and roll, including a lot of what you think of as alpha male rock and roll, has always played with these ideas that, you know, taunted people about masculinity and femininity. That part of playfulness is, like, baked into rock and roll, to use your phrase, in in the same way, I guess. It's just not something you necessarily think about. So, yeah, your dad was a model of of that kind of uh, approach to masculinity. Yeah, absolutely. And he never pushed me into doing things that, like, he thought a boy should do. He's, you know, never been afraid to talk about his emotions. Like, he's just like, he's a really good guy in in all of those senses. And beyond that, like, I think he's a wonderful mentor. I've seen him in my life, like, take troubled men in under his wing and like kind of give them mentorship and that's a very admirable quality yeah he's, yeah yeah he's a he's just fab so and in fact that does kind of tee up your uh michael's got a traditional question oh yeah it feels like it it follows nicely from yeah that. i um imagine you were going to build a bear workshop mm. but it's men and not specifically bears by the way i have kids and i do know what a build a bear workshop is but i've been astonished that every guest accepts the idea of build a bear with like i didn't think it was as big oh, an institution a, as it is a fairly well-known thing i thought it was quite a niche reference when you first said it but Are no you- one flinched at the idea of Build-A-Bear. I used to work for a crystal jeweler for Swarovski. And, and, <laughs> you really um, have, you've, you've thought through your oh, a- yeah. aesthetic <laughs> really well. I had no chance. I had no chance. <laughs> um, and my job was to open shops around the UK. So I've been to every shopping centre in the UK. Then you have seen, and, you've and seen I, these places, yeah. Also, Build-A-Bear, like, in the title, you know what it is. Yeah. No, I suppose it doesn't require a lot of unpacking. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we should be pushing for sponsorship from Build a Bear. Well, it's a bit odd that we've now mentioned them in every episode still without them asking us to, or rewarding us in any way. It's the opposite of what sponsorship is meant to be. I think. If you can hear us, please reach out. <laughs> yeah, because we really are. We're talking about you all the time. And you are right. It is a very recognisable brand. When the guys named Build a Bear, they must have thought we've nailed we've that. Smashed it. Yeah. yeah. I have yeah. a feeling though that like high street retail isn't in a position to be sponsoring things. Oh, why is right that? Now. Is, have there been some problems? <laughs> <laughs> I've been in this room since March, you see. <laughs> so if you were going into a build a bear workshop, but it was a build a man workshop, uh-huh. what Ooh. three... Ooh, I'm oh, how exciting. <laughs> what three qualities would you put into each man? And is this like to fuck or... If or... you'd like to. <laughs> but just generally, just like in terms of... 
just, just hearing about your dad and like the, the people have tended to approach it both ways, haven't they? Sometimes people have like two nice masculine qualities and, and then, then a really fuckable one. one. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's hard to know how to answer that because there's like we've also framed the question oddly by talking about it like what's good about your dad, but also what would you like to have sex with? Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. That, thankfully there is an instant disconnect. There. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> probably should be. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there's like this idea we have of like men out in the world. And for them, I think they all need maybe more brains, less mouth. God, amen to that, really. Mm. Yeah, uh, that's a really nice way. More brains, less mouth. That's brilliant. M- more thinking and less talking would, yeah. would suit Which, almost everyone on Earth. I yeah, think. absolutely. Yeah, and, man. But if you're just talking about qualities, I think they're just they're not necessarily qualities for men or women. I think it's just yeah, it's yeah. just it's a good way it's of just quality, yeah. human qualities. And it's like, I don't know, open mindedness. Mm. Slash like curiosity, I think that already putting in four, but cool. <laughs> <laughs> curiosity is a great one, I think. But I think because... curiosity is actually a, a more effective way of saying open-mindedness because curiosity shows an active want and need mm-hmm. to engage with different yeah, things. Yeah, whereas... a willingness to actually do the work exactly. to meet someone halfway. Yeah. So often when people are, uh, you know, bigoted or prejudiced in whatever way, lack of curiosity is how you would sum up their approach because mm-hmm. they have not met three drag artists or mm-hmm. one trans person or. Yeah. They haven't sought those people out. If they ever did, they couldn't hold those opinions. Pretty and much. I think curiosity then comes with kind of like generosity because, of, yeah. yeah, you just are more willing and accepting to forgive and be understanding and be generous to someone if you've made the work to understand. If you understand who they actually are. And what a, I really them. like that yeah. one, actually. I think that's, that's the first time we've had curiosity. I think that's a really, yeah, I really good agree. way of putting yeah, it. Yeah, I think being incurious is one of the worst things you can be. As is incurious a word? I, it is. And if it is, I I'm wanting Google at least eight. Incurious bastards. <laughs> I feel confident with incurious. We've done some verbal gymnastics in this show. I think that's a solid eight. Oh, I, didn't I, got, even... I got eight and a half. Yeah, early, you got to remember but... I didn't say it as an entrant for the word of the day or anything. <laughs> for that matter, we haven't had a word of the day before, so I don't know how it went like this. <laughs> we're just so good at these segments. We said we weren't natural podcasters, but we're just spinning off these segments. Well, like, we've got imaginary sponsorship from Build a Bear. We've, we've got a word competition. We're like cult figures. Cult <laughs> figures. So we've got generosity in the man. Curiosity stroke generosity. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Basically, all now I'm just thinking of things that are typical of masculinity that I just want to like not include rather than things. Oh, I mean, we can have a bin pile if you'd like. Yeah, well, I was, I was thinking like, what are the things? Strength? Meh, don't need that. That's fine. We've got machines now. We don't need brawn. <laughs> I needed someone to say that when I was 11. <laughs> Uh, and then like bravery, like what? What's that about? Like this is great. This is all stuff I don't really. Also have. on the shit list. Uh, th- yeah, this can like, all go why in the pile. would you want? What's that for? Unless you're like a firefighter, I guess. Yeah. They yeah. should be brave. I'm, I'm enjoying this list of shit. The qualities. shit list is great. The yeah. shit list is much easier. Turns out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna then go to the opposite, and I'm I'm thinking of feminine qualities that I think we should all have, and I'm gonna go with kindness. Oh yes, that's always a nice one. Yeah. Yes, it's the ultimate human quality in a way, isn't yeah. it? Without it, you're nothing. I've got my third You've now. You've got a third. Ten inch dick. Because <laughs> <laughs> what else is a man good for, really? Well, but yeah. ten inches is quite... Too much, almost? I would say it's a bit excessive. Oh, really? Nine? What would your preferred length <laughs> be, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> Where are you going to sign on? <laughs> I think I'll sign, like, up to nine, I would say. Up to nine. Oh, okay, so there's a window that you'd both be happy with. What would with. you say? Uh, dick length-wise? Yes. Uh, in terms of what I'd like to possess or what I would find attractive? Just, like, both, just in general. like. So you've got a man who's curious, he's kind, and how big is his dick? <laughs> well, I suppose, like, and I, I don't uh, I don't have very much uh, experience of uh, this area of sexuality, but I imagine that you'd want... 
Is there a thing where you'd like it to be? We've just made the straight man squirm. (laughs) (laughs) It's a point of pride that I want to answer the question properly. I can tell. So, uh, yeah, I think I'm picturing it as like, I think I'd want over a certain length, but I think I'd also want it to be aesthetically pleasing, proportional. Yeah. For the listener, uh, he's using his hands in a very kind of... A worried uh, way. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe I'd take eight inches and upwards, even less than that, if it was a a kind of pleasing shape, if it worked well as a dick, I think. Okay, so, right. So let me take back the sizeness and we'll go for like a, a beautiful... There we go. I'm glad we've reached a consensus on ideal dick, and I'm surprised and pleased that I pitched in with that consensus. (laughs) It's not something I spent a lot of time thinking about. Now, how would you like to finish, Crystal? I actually have uh, my own podcast coming out soon. Ah, It is called The Things That Made Me Queer, and it is with World of Wonder, and I have a guest on each week talking about the very things that shaped them and made them queer. So Desperate Housewives. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, but also things from childhood and I've got a really fabulous mix of guests, drag race stars, musicians, all sorts of people. So check it out. That sounds great. And where can they find you on they, the people? Where can they find you on social media? You can find me under Crystal. We'll see you now under all decent social media. Crystal will see and, now is and, great. Yeah, as a, and as a also some indecent ones. Oh, that yes. doesn't come as a huge surprise after some of what we've heard today. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, thank this you. Was, this it's has been, been great. You've been great. Thank you. Oh, we've been great, I think I would say. We've been great. Well, you... you I've, been, I've been particularly great. You lavished praise upon thank yourself you. at various <laughs> points. Yeah. We collectively smashed that. <laughs> we collectively smashed it. Crystal, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Done. <laughs> Shit hot ending. ending. That, that worked. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Menkind. You can find us on social media at Menkind Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Well, you can send us an email, menkindpodcast at gmail.com. Why not do that? We will read it as well. So you've just had Crystal in your ears. I hope you enjoyed that, especially the end bit. I really did. And if you want to have more Crystal in your ears, she has her own podcast coming out on January the 19th with some cool guests, including Detox, Shea Coulet, Emily Kay, JD Sampson and Juno Dawson. So keep your ears peeled. Ears peeled for that? Can you peel your ears? Yeah, you can. I think you can have your ears peeled. Don't worry about that. Great. Well, while they're peeled, keep them peeled for next Monday when we have Thomas Page McBee. It's an intense chat. It's a good one. But as a kid, like, you know, it's sort of kind of hard to explain. But I think like all young children who are masculine, I was trying to prove my masculinity all the time. It's just that there wasn't a language for me. And I kind of confused trying to figure out how to do that well without turning out like my bad dad, you know. <laughs> He's proper cool like. Oh, does that work? Cool. Proper cool. Like. You're the young one. If, if you think people will respond to that, then good, good luck. Please just peel your ears. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> 